the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Now, one of the lessons we learn from Nineveh is the necessity of continuing in the faith. Continuing in the faith. Persevering in the faith. It's not enough to repent at some point in the past. We must have continual repentance, continually turning away from sin and turning to God. Jesus said we must take up our cross daily. Not everything in life is a once and done. Though your children may not agree, you don't take a shower one time and then expect to never have to do it again. It's something you have to keep doing to stay clean. Well, today, Pastor Dan explains that your connection with the Lord also requires continual attention. It doesn't matter how closely you walked with Him 10 years ago. It's all about what things are like today. The prophet Nahum said this exact thing in regards to the Assyrians, whose demise he foretold. Now, here's Pastor Dan in the book of Nahum for today's edition of Ring of Truth. You want to turn there in your Bible, Nahum. Uh, it's right after Micah, right before Habakkuk. I'm sure that should help you, right? You can probably find it with your eyes closed in your Bible, Nahum. We're also going to look at uh, Romans chapter 5 tonight. So if you want to go ahead and find that in your Bible as well, Romans chapter 5, uh, so that you can turn there quickly when the time comes. The book of Nahum chapter 1. In Romans chapter 5, and let me pray for us before we get into the word. Lord, we thank you for your word as always, Lord. We thank you that it's alive and it's powerful and it's sharper than a two-edged sword. We thank you, Lord, that your word never returns void. And Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher, that you would open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to your word. Pray, Lord, that your spirit would be upon me to teach your word. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Nahum is one of the minor prophets. And just as a reminder, the minor prophets are called minor, not because they're less important, but just because they're shorter books than the major prophets. We don't really know any biographical information about Nahum, other than what we see in verse 1, that he was an Elkishite which means he was from Elkish. And that's really it. Uh, Scholars don't really know where Elkish was located. Uh, It's believed that it was located in the Galilee area in northern Israel. Some believe that Nahum was from the New Testament town of Capernaum, where Jesus made his headquarters. 
The name Capernaum means the town of Nahum. Uh, so some think the name of Capernaum originated because Nahum was perhaps from that area. But we really don't know anything about him. And I, and I think in some ways it's fitting that the Lord doesn't really tell us much about the prophets and their biography in the Bible because uh, their personal information is not what's important. Their message is and what they said. It was written against the city of Nineveh and against the Assyrians. Nineveh was the capital city of the the Assyrian Empire. And in this prophecy, God declares that judgment will come upon the city of Nineveh and upon the Assyrian Empire. And so it's written to the Assyrians, but it's not really written to the Assyrians. The Assyrians will never read this prophecy. It's addressed to the Assyrians, but it's written really to the people of Judah to comfort them and to encourage them. Uh, The name Nahum means comfort. And God is bringing comfort to his people through this prophecy about judgment. Now, we recently studied through the book of Jonah Uh, you could say that Nahum is the sequel to the book of Jonah. Remember, God sent the prophet Jonah to the city of Nineveh to warn the Ninevites of of coming judgment. And Jonah eventually went to Nineveh after some persuading from the Lord. And he went to Nineveh. And remember Jonah's message, 40 days and judgment is coming. And Jonah offered uh, no hope To the Ninevites, no call to repentance, no offer of forgiveness, just a message of judgment. Forty days and judgment will come. And remember the king of Nineveh, he repented and he commanded the people of Nineveh to repent, which they did. And God spared the city from judgment. God was merciful to the city of Nineveh. Now it's 150 years later in the time of Nahum. And 150 years later, the people of Nineveh have returned to their wickedness. They have repented of their repentance. And now they have become more wicked, more cruel, more violent than they were before they repented in the days of Jonah. Now they're worse than they were. In 722 BC, as you know, we've talked about this before, 722 BC, the Assyrians invaded the northern kingdom of Israel. They conquered the northern kingdom. They took the the 10 tribes of the northern kingdom captive. And then the Assyrians moved into the southern kingdom of Judah and they invaded the southern kingdom of Judah and they systematically conquered all the major cities of Judah, 46 in total leaving only the city of Jerusalem. Then they surrounded the city of Jerusalem. And God miraculously delivered the city of Jerusalem from the Assyrian army, sending the angel in one night who destroyed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. And what was left of the Assyrian army retreated and went back to Assyria. But the people of Judah now, the people of Judah we're left weakened and fearful that the Assyrians will come back. And so they're they're living under this constant fear of the Assyrians. So Nahum declares that God will judge Nineveh 
and the Assyrians. And that brings comfort to the people of Judah to know that. Now, one of the lessons we learn from Nineveh is the necessity of continuing in the faith. Continuing in the faith. Persevering in the faith. It's not enough to repent at some point in the past. We must have continual repentance, continually turning away from sin and turning to God. Jesus said we must take up our cross daily. We must put self on the cross every day and live a crucified life every day and have a daily walk with the Lord. The lesson of Nineveh is the mercies of God will not continue if repentance does not continue. In Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 9, God said, If I announce that I will plant and build up a certain nation or kingdom, but then that nation turns to evil and refuses to obey me, I will not bless it as I said I would. And so you have to continue in the Lord. Continue to walk in his ways. Repentance didn't last for Nineveh. They turned their back on God. They, they turned back to their old ways. And so now judgment comes. Now at this time, as Nahum writes this, uh, Assyria was the greatest superpower in the world. It was kind of the lone superpower in the world. It seemed like the empire of Assyria would stand forever. And so this prophecy is, is really remarkable, this prophecy declaring their destruction. It seems so unlikely that Assyria would ever be conquered. And all of the Middle East, they all feared the Assyrians with good reason. The Assyrians brutalized the nations they conquered. They tortured and mutilated every nation they conquered just, just because, just because they could, just to demoralize the people. Uh, they, they were known for doing things like gouging out the eyes of the people that they conquered and then just leaving whole, whole nations blind, literally. Uh, they were known for cutting off ears and cutting out tongues, cutting off limbs. They would skin people alive. And use their skin for wallpaper and to upholster their furniture. In their palaces in Nineveh, they had artwork depicting the ways they tortured their victims. And and so when we talk about Assyria here, it's not just that they conquered territories. They were evil. They were wicked in the way that they treated people. And so Nahum's prophecy against Nineveh, the capital, and Assyria, it would bring comfort to the people of Judah to know that God will intervene and put an end to this reign of terror throughout the Middle East. So look at verse 1 with me. The burden against Nineveh, the book of the vision of Nahum, the Elkishite. This message was a burden for Nahum. It was a heavy message for Nahum to deliver. It's a message of judgment. Even though it was a message of judgment against a wicked nation, it was still a burden. You know, the message of judgment should always be a burden to us. 
when we talk to people about their need for the Lord, their need for salvation, the, the judgment that is coming, we, it, should be, it should be heavy to us. It should be a burden. The Bible says God takes no delight in the death of the wicked, that he desires all to repent and come to salvation. Now look at verse 2. God is jealous and the Lord avenges. The Lord avenges and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries and he reserves wrath for his enemies. You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City, Maryland. We'll return to the second half of today's message in a moment. But first, here's a word from Pastor Dan. It's my privilege to share the Word of God with you through our radio ministry, Ring of Truth. Thank you for tuning in each day. Hey, I would love to hear from you. Will you take a moment to email me to tell me how these daily studies have ministered to you? I want to hear your story. You can email me through our website at calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. Now let's join him again for the conclusion of today's edition of Ring of Truth. God is jealous. God is jealous for his people, the Jews. And Joel chapter 2, verse 18, it says that God is jealous for his land, Israel. And Zechariah chapter 1, verse 14, it says God is jealous for Jerusalem. We tend to think of jealousy as something unhealthy or something bad. Uh, But when the Bible says God is jealous, he's jealous in the way that a parent is jealous for his children. A parent will not just stand by and allow someone to harm his children. A parent will naturally protect his children. Harming someone's children will provoke the parent to wrath. God is jealous for his people. God is jealous for his land. God is jealous for Jerusalem. Harming his people, harming his land, harming Jerusalem, that provokes him to wrath. Like a parent. It says the Lord avenges. Now that word avenge there, it it means that the Lord is responding to the actions of others. In this case, he's responding to the way the Assyrians have treated his people and other nations. So this is not unprovoked wrath. This is not without cause. God is responding to the brutality of the Assyrians. The Lord avenges and is furious. Literally, he's hot with rage. You never want God to be furious with you. You never want to make God furious. But the Assyrians did with the way that they treated people, their brutality. It says the Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries and he reserves wrath for his enemy. Now, this verse makes me thankful for Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection for us. Because the Bible says that before we knew Christ, before we were saved, we were the enemies of God. In fact, turn with me over to Romans chapter 5 and look what it says. Verse 6, 
I remember the first time I read this, um, and I, re- I wasn't a believer yet. I, I was definitely seeking the Lord, and the Holy Spirit was drawing me. And, and I remember the time thinking that you have to be a really, really good person to be a Christian. And then reading Romans chapter 5, verse 6, that Christ died for the ungodly. And I, man, I remember like my brain exploded when I, wait, he died for the ungodly? Because I knew I was ungodly. And he died for the ungodly. Look what it says in verse 6. For when we were still without strength, when we were weak, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood. The word justified means it's as if you've never sinned at all. You've never done anything wrong. We've been justified by his blood. We shall be saved, look, from wrath. Through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Verse 6 says that we were without strength. We were weak. At our best, we were too weak to live a righteous life. At our best. Worse than that, verse 8 says we were sinners. We were slaves to our sin, disobeying God's commands, deserving of his wrath. And worst of all, verse 10 says, we were enemies of God, rebelling against his will. Colossians chapter 1 verse 21 says, we were enemies of God, separated from him by our evil thoughts, just what we thought, and by our actions. Just in our thought life, we were against God. What he's telling us here in Romans 5 is that the good news is, even though we were without strength, even though we were at our best too weak to live a righteous life, even though we were sinners and slaves to sin and disobedient to God, and even though we were enemies of God, rebelling against his will, By our evil thoughts and actions, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world to die on the cross in our place for our sins, in our weakness, while we were sinners, while we were enemies, so we could be forgiven and reconciled to God. So that we're no longer enemies. Now the Bible says we're children and heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. In fact, John writes in 1 John, behold, what manner of love is this? That we should be called the children of God. Us. Weak sinners who were enemies of God. And now through Jesus Christ and his shed blood on the cross, we're children of God. We're joint heirs with Christ. Now turn back to Nahum. And again, as you look at what Nahum says here, he reserves wrath for his enemies. And we were once his enemies and now we're his children. But because of Jesus and what he did for us, we're no longer enemies of God. And so here in this, in this book, uh, this short book, God, God's wrath is described for his enemies. 
God's wrath against his enemies. Now, just in what we've read already, he's a jealous God. The Lord avenges. The Lord avenges and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries. He reserves wrath for his enemies. He's furious. He's angry. He's avenging his people and his land for what the Assyrians did. Now, there is a movement that is gaining in popularity in the church. It's kind of been around for a long time, but it's gaining in popularity today that is called uh, progressive Christianity. Progressive Christianity. Maybe you've heard of it. Maybe you haven't, but it's very dangerous. And it's heretical. And progressive teaching is kind of hard to detect because it quite often is packaged in a way that it sounds really good. And progressive pastors can sound very good. And and progressive Christianity, among other things, it, it emphasizes feelings and personal experience over and above the word of God. And your personal feelings about something or your personal experience is your authority and your truth instead of the word of God. And the word of God should always be our authority. And we should always bring our feelings under the word of God. And if our feelings don't agree with the word of God, we need to change our feelings. But, but with, it, with this progressive Christianity, your, your feelings and your personal experience is put above Scripture. The progressive pastors will talk a lot about your feelings and talk a lot about personal experience and how it makes you feel and what they maybe have personally experienced. And, and I, I bring that up because many progressive Christians uh, reject the God of judgment or the God of wrath or the God of violence. They don't like a God who avenges. They don't like a God who reserves wrath for his enemies or judges nations for their wickedness or judges people. That's a very arrogant position to have. It's a very arrogant position to have. And, and it's easy, it's easy criticism to make when you're living in peace and security in the United States of America. I can tell you, those like the people of Judah who watch the Assyrians devastate their nation and terrorize their people, gouging out eyes, cutting off limbs, skinning people alive, forcing people to grind up the remains of their dead family members. And there was nothing they could do about it. They wanted God to avenge them. They wanted God to avenge them. Christians today living in countries where they are persecuted and martyred and slaughtered, where they send their daughters off to school. And in the middle of the day, their daughters are kidnapped And they never see them again, and they're taken as slaves. And they have no way of defending themselves. They have no way of standing up against that. They have no way of getting out from under that. They want God to avenge them. They want God to deliver them. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring 
You've been listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Pastor Dan is currently working his way through the book of Nahum, an Old Testament prophetic book. If you found this teaching helpful, there are others like it at calvaryec.com. Just look under the media tab. Any questions about today's message? Feel free to call us and ask. You can reach us at 410-491-4592. That number again is 410-491-4592. Please let us know how we can be praying for you as you listen to this series in the book of Nahum. Ring of Truth is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in Columbia, Maryland. If you're not currently connected to a church community, we invite you to join us this weekend. We have services on Sunday at 8.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 12.30 p.m., On Thursday evenings, you can join us at 7 p.m. We'd be so glad to meet you and get to know your story. In the meantime, we encourage you to stay deeply rooted in the Word of God on your own throughout the week. When you tune in again to Ring of Truth, Pastor Dan will continue teaching through the book of Nahum. We're so glad you took the time to listen today, and we hope you'll continue being a part of our listening audience. Pastor Dan and the rest of us here involved with Ring of Truth look forward to what's ahead in this series. So stay tuned for Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that craft and am what I know because I know His voice and it only takes General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.